This presentation is, I've never done before, so that means it's, um, it's fresh, but also probably not as smooth. And again, I apologize for the lack of pictures, but again, I don't feel like it is going to affect the integrity of our program because like the last one, the pictures were very important. Um, but anyway, so you want to start with an income plan. You know, in other words, I think too many farmers, too many of us have, well, let me back up and just say, I feel very conflicted when I talk about some of these things because if you heard our personal testimony, we basically didn't do any of what we're telling you to do. <laughs> and, and, and people are always asking us, you know, if you were starting over again, what would you do now, you know, now that you know a little bit more what you're doing? And the reality is that it was what we went through, through those hard years, that was exactly what God needed us to go through. So how can I tell people, oh, just, you know, get JM's book and just follow it? And, you know, so do you understand my, my challenge here? Many farmers now, and, and he's, he's a perfect example of this. Of course, he's not a Christian, but um, they're, you know, there's business savvy they really have, and, and I mean, he, he enjoys his work too, so it's not just about making a, a quick buck or whatever, but he's really coming at, at it from a business point of view, and I'm not saying that's bad at all. In fact, I think it's good, but that's not the reason we're in farming, to make a living. You know, we're in farming because God called us to be in farming, and do we have bills that we got to pay? Yes, you know, so, so the Lord blesses when you put your heart into it, and he will bless your efforts. So I just kind of want to put that disclaimer out here. Um, yes, it's important. The things I'm going to talk about here are good things, but don't go into it unless you feel it's God's calling and um, it's not just about making money. Okay, so now that I've said that, I'll just tell you about how to make money. Um, so if you're thinking about actually making a living off the farm, you've got to be realistic. You know, Jesus did talk about, you, you got to count the cost, right? What can I realistically think about making on the farm? Um, I, I shared with you early on, earlier today, that our, our growth, and we haven't finished doing all the numbers because we're kind of just coming out of our season that's kind of part of the whirlwind that we've been in here. Um, but we, we are grossing right around 95,000. Um, net income is usually between 40 and 50% of gross. 
um, which compared to a lot of businesses, that's actually pretty good. But it's pretty consistent. It's really fascinating to me. You know, I've, I've read the numbers on bigger farms, you know, bigger market farms, 15, 20 acres, as well as, you know, JM, who's doing an acre and a half. Um, but that 40 to 50 percent net is pretty consistent, and it, and it fits with our experience as well. Um, so then you have to start, and, and when, I, when I say our net, so, you know, if you're running the numbers in your mind, you're thinking, okay, 90, 50% of 95,000, that's, that's, I mean, for me, that would be wow. But, you know, out of that, we're also paying our children and stuff, so that's not all going in our pocket. Do you see what I'm saying? So I guess it's not technically our, it's, it's not our, technical net that's after we paid all the expenses and and the apprentices and so on that's what our family takes home and then we divvy it out amongst us okay so how much can you live on and and this is an important part of the message that I know last year my wife did a presentation on living on less, I don't remember. Actually, I'm not sure that one got on Audioverse. I think they had some technical difficulties. Um, but for us, that's a real, that's the, the other side to the coin of farming. You have got to learn to live on less. Because to make $50,000 a year farming the kind of small farming that we're talking about, that would be, you'd have to work really, really hard to to take home in your pocket $50,000. Um, so what that means for us in the early years, I'll just tell you, we spent years living on $1,000 a month. Um, which for most people, they'd say, there's no way, I can't do that. But, you know, if you don't have debt, if you only need one vehicle because you're not going different directions, your, your clothes budget and your, you know, you can really cut down on a lot of expenses. Um, it would be very hard for us to live on $1,000 a month now. 2000 We can live on $2,000 a month quite comfortably actually so you've got to really figure out what can I eliminate from my life as far as expenses um, so just to kind of take something to work with um, let's just say you know you you do your um, you do your your simplifying and you say okay I think we could live on two thousand dollars a month and you know I know in this room here I have some people who are thinking there's no way I could ever live on two thousand dollars a month and there's other people that are saying wow I could really live well on two thousand dollars a month so I realize we're we're we've got that going on here so you've, in order to take that much home, you've got to bring in at least twice that, right? 
So you've got to bring in at least 50000 Now, of course, when you're first starting up, your expenses are going to be higher because you need to be reinvesting in the farm. So where, where does the 50000 come from? You've got to somehow figure out. I mean, it's, they're not going to just give you that money at farmer's market unless you're giving them something. You've, you've got to have a plan. And again... In this hour, there's no way I can do justice to this. Um, this book is gold as far as that goes because he's got all kinds of charts. He's got all kinds of really practical information in here. In fact, I wanted to get some of those in here. I have places for some of those charts, but my, my helper... Um, didn't have time to do it. So I, I'm suggesting that JM's book, The Market Gardener, is a great place to start because he's got some very practical information. I know you can't see it from where you are, but this chart right here on page 14 of The Market Gardener, man, I, I tell you... Um, well, I, I guess I'm being really vulnerable here. You know, I, I kept this by our toilet. And every time I had time to pause there, I'm studying this chart saying, okay, how does he do this? It's still kind of mind-boggling to me because his prices, you know, he shows you what he gets per bunch or whatever. We We get better prices than he does on our produce you know he's in Quebec but yet I, I don't think we've actually told you he he is making 150,000 gross on an acre and a half and that's with he and his wife full-time one other person full-time in the summer and then he has miscellaneous apprentices that kind of come through and he, he doesn't count them because he figures, you know, apprentices, where are our apprentices? Okay. Apprentices um, hopefully will earn you some money, but not necessarily. Okay, Rick's laughing back there. Um, you know, it's easy to think, oh, well, all we need is a few more apprentices and we can really make it here. But there's a lot of training that goes on. There's a lot of mistakes. I'll tell you what. And, and these girls weren't involved in this. So I'll, I'll say that this spring, even though, you know, I emphasize you got to make sure you label every tomato plant. Because when you're planting them in the greenhouse, they all look the same, right? And we got so messed up on tomato labels. It really hurt us because... We had the wrong kind of tomatoes in the greenhouse. And so I'm just saying, um, apprentices, it's kind of a wash. You know, you're helping them, you're teaching them. And we, we get good apprentices. You know, we're, this is above average here. And these girls, they're going to share a little bit next, next uh, session. 
but they did a great job, so I don't want you to think I'm talking about them, but, you know, kids are kids, right? And they like to play around, and, and um, anyway. So you gotta have, a, I got a little off on apprentices. So you know, I'm saying JM's making 150,000, and you're thinking, whoa, that's, I could live on that, you know, uh, half of that. Um, but he didn't do, he's been doing it for 10 plus years now. He, he definitely got a quicker start than we did. But again, there's much more resources available. Always best to start small and make small mistakes. You know, don't just go head first into it. Don't jump before you test the water, so to speak. You know, ideally somebody's still earning some money and you're you're piddling you're experimenting and you're learning what works and what doesn't and you gradually go in and of course we didn't do that we just jumped right in but the lord encouraged us to so so let's look at just a couple options of how you could come up with that 50,000 okay if you do a csa 26 weeks, that's six months. You know, that's kind of a, a standard length CSA. Um, if you charge $30 a box, that would be $780 a share. So you'd need 65 shares to get 50700 So that's one option. That is... Uh, 65 boxes a week is that are you comfortable with that or <laughs> okay at you know if, if for somebody starting out that might but see you know we do it on two different days so that's only 30 32 boxes a time 30 boxes for us is is you know, we're, we're trying to get our CSA, our summer CSA, up to 100 shares. But I need to qualify. We do a half share and a full share. So the, ha the half share is every other week and the full share is every week. So that's 100 shares or 100 customers does not mean 100 boxes a week. It's usually about... Um, 60% full shares, if I remember correctly. My wife is better with the numbers. and She's otherwise occupied. So, um, so that, you know, for somebody starting out, that could be a little bit overwhelming. Um, but I, I'm trying to be realistic with you here. You know, it's easy to think, oh, yeah, I'm going to become a farmer. But it doesn't just happen that way. You've got to count the costs. You've got to really think it through. The money doesn't grow on the plants. You know, you've got to, you've got to t turn it into money. So what about just the farmer's market? 50,000 divided by 26, our farmer's market starts May to October, May through October, 26 weeks. Um, that would be just under $2,000 a week. Now, 
If you did two markets a week, that brings it down to just $1,000 a market. I say just. Um, you know, so I can tell you when we first started going to farmer's markets, this was 18 years ago. Um, we, we kind of set the rule that if we weren't making at least $100 per market, um, we weren't, it wasn't worth our time. Well, you know, back then we were, we didn't always make $100 a market. Um, now, this year we, in the spring, you know, which means we've got strawberries, that's a big hit, plus lots of spring produce, we almost hit 3,000 at one market. Um, we had, I think, three markets over 2,500. Um, in the summer, we had some challenges this summer, and, and it was kind of, everybody seemed to have challenges this summer. Our markets dropped down to, I think the lowest they got um, was a rainy, you know, combination rain plus not enough produce was like 700 so I haven't even heard what we averaged this year but I would say I would guess it's going to be around 13 to 1500 per market um, so I'm just sharing that to give you reference point here um, so this, you know, I'd look at this and, yeah, th this to me looks more overwhelming than the CSA option, 2000 a week, um, farmer's markets. So, you know, that's, that's a fair bit of produce. So the, the, the reality is, as, as Nick and Kirsten shared, you're probably going to want to combine a couple options. And this starts looking, in my mind, a little bit more doable. You could do 40 shares. So again, if you do in the summer, you really, at least where we live, you've got to harvest some things three times a week. So you're going to need to deliver at least twice a week. Um, that would just be 20 boxes of delivery and $800 a week at farmer's markets. If you, know, if, you, if you deliver at a farmer's market, that's only $400 per farmer's market if you've got and, and, and 40 CSAs. That, and again, I'm a few years down the road from you, but I'm thinking, you know, that, that sounds very doable. Um, does this kind of make sense as far as you got to be thinking this way? Um, you know, you can't just go out there and plant a few rows of lettuce and think, yeah, I'm going to be a farmer and, and make a living. You've got to really count the cost. Now, hopefully you can just go out there um, and plant a few rows just for practice and experience. But, um, and then, you know, comes the, the big job of, of coming up with a plan. I'll tell you what, this will 
give you headaches at first. It's overwhelming. I, when I first started, you know, just looking at a seed catalog is over the top. For, it's like, oh my, what, what do I plant? And when do I plant it? And how much do I plant? How much seed do I order? It's just overwhelming. Um, but, you know, over time you start knowing, yeah, I just, I want this variety because, and I shared some of that with you. If you haven't gotten all these handouts, make sure you, you know, some of the varieties that have really been consistent for us. Um, so there's just, and, and again, I can't get into it all, but I just want you, and, and I, I'm going to keep recommending this book. Have you all read this book? Did you find it helpful? Yeah, we have 15 of these here. Ad Agra's selling books. Of course, you can buy it cheaper elsewhere. We just charge the cover price, and it's a way to help support Ad Agra. But I'm sure they're going to go quick. So if you want that book, you better... For, for JM? Yeah, he might stop farming after a while. I'll tell you, go to his website. I don't think I'd put his website on the recommended resources, but he... I don't know if it's out yet, but he, this, I'm getting confused. I don't know if it was last year or this year. He had a, a video team kind of go through the season with him. Okay, going to be released early next year. That's going to be something to, you know, for those who are visual learners, um, that's going to be a great video. Uh just a plug for anybody who lives our, in our general area. He's going to be in Tennessee beginning of December. Um, December 7 and 8. I hope it's not sold out yet. His events sell out quick. But on December 7, he's doing an on-farm demonstration that we're planning to be at. Um, you know, four hours of just in the garden using the tools and then kind of doing a walk around. This is just a farm in Tennessee, a new farmer. He's been doing it a few years, and he's just going to kind of say, okay, well, this is how I would do it, and, you know, I wouldn't do this, and I'd, I'd do it this way. That's going to be really valuable. And then on December 8th, he's going to be in Memphis doing a day-long workshop. Been to one of those. It's very, very good. So if you are anywhere, and you can go on his website. He has other, other seminars as well. Um, so, again, without trying to get into all the mind-boggling detail, you know, you've got to kind of figure out, especially if you have a CSA, okay, I, I've got to fill this box. I've got to fill... 60 boxes every week um, through the summer. So if I'm wanting squash in the box on, on August 15, when does that squash need to be planted? 
and you got to count back and you got to figure out how much squash you think you're going to need for those 60 boxes and you've got to make sure it's planted because of course the 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 biggest challenge with new growers is, you know, it all starts out great and then by middle of the season, your early stuff is petering out and it's, oh no, and it's too late, you know. You gotta think ahead. I mean, this is, there's a lot of spiritual lessons in the garden. <laughs> um, so, do you, is your mind, your brain hurting yet as you kind of work it through? I would like to get more detailed, but um, when is this going? I'm just, when did we start? Was it 3.15? Okay, so 4.15. Yeah. Yes, question. Okay, question is, what about winter CSA? Winter CSAs are a different animal. Um, one beauty of a winter CSA is we just do a every other week delivery. So you can theoretically have twice as many customers. And um, the biggest, we got up to, and this was with my brother's family and us working together we got up to, I think, 160-some in the winter. But we've backed away from that. You know, there's a quality of life that we're after as well that, um, man, it just gets a little too hectic. Um, oh, how much per box? Well, how much produce are you going to put? You know, I mean, you kind of set that price Actually, Joshua's CSA, we were, um, we were, I, I don't want to get into all of that, but you, my brother and his family have been doing the winter CSA, and they didn't want to do it this year, so Joshua took over and just wanted to kind of keep the same price, so it's actually, it's, it's $43 a box. And he's doing 60, 61. Now, I'm telling him, I'm a little nervous. About, I mean, right now we have tons of stuff. And the boxes have, I mean, he's been getting calls saying, this is the most beautiful CSA box I have ever seen. So praise God for that. It's, he's had a really strong start. But the challenge with winter is come... January. I'll tell you the real challenge if you're going all the way through is February and March. That is the biggest challenge to have stuff in February and March. October, November, even up till Christmas, it's pretty easy. But it's the after Christmas that gets dicey. How many weeks do we run a winter? Well, there's no normal. That's the beauty of winter CSAs because there's there are more and more all the time, but there's still relatively few compared to summer. So you can kind of set your own price and, and standards. And actually this year, he's just going through the uh, 
the first week of February. Because, you know, in order for us to have a strong spring, we can't have the hoop house. We need all hoop house space available come February. So as soon as his winter CSA Feb, um, ends, the, the, the hoop houses are going to be filled for spring, seeded and transplanted. And... Okay, so this information on the screen here, you know, what crops, how much, number of beds, number of plants, number of seeds, um, figuring out when you need to plant, you know, and transplant when you need to seed and all of that. That's, that's all what, what JM calls a crop calendar. Um, and then you've got you've to come up with a garden plan. You know, where is it going to go? You've got to figure out what beds it's going to go in. And again, if you were here earlier, you know, you want to have kind of blocks. Where, what's, how's the rotation going? You know, what's coming after this? And we're not even talking about crop rotations and beneficial crops and um, those that I call them the givers and takers. You know, some plants leave the soil better than they found it just like some people and, and some crops leave the soil worse. And so you gotta mix all that up and hopefully you understand some of that at this point. If you don't, um, you need to get these books. I'll just kind of plug some of these books as you go along. This was my manual starting out. This was the only thing around back then. I still recommend this as the starting point for anybody wanting to get into market gardening. This is Elliot Coleman's The New Organic Grower. He's getting old now. He's in his mid-70s, um, but he has done more than anybody I know of to, to make what's happening in the U.S. happen right now. Um, the, the small farm movement. Excellent information. JM makes no apologies for being a student of Elliot Coleman's and you'll, you'll see that the basic techniques all are the same. JM has just updated them. He's got a few little twists and neat ideas. Some of the tools for the BCS are new. Um, the tarps, that's something that I got from JM. Um, so those two books, in my mind, I, I'll just say, if you don't read those books, how can I say it gently? You're crazy. Okay, that's, that's gentle enough. If you don't read these books, you're crazy because you're reinventing the wheel. And yeah, I'm not saying you follow everything they say in there. You know, they, they disagree on a few things. Elliot Coleman uses soil blocks. JM says, Pooh, that's too labor intensive. We still use soil blocks. We're, um... So anyway, you know, learn from those who've gone before you. Don't don't think I, I don't I know enough. You know, I mean that's stupid.
So, you have to have a garden plan. Ways to collect your data. You know, this, you got to have some way to, you may think, you know, I, I won't forget this, but I'll tell you what, you will forget it. I promise you, you'll forget it. So, you've got to write it down somewhere. Um, and, and, you know, I, I have a strained relationship with computers. I use them, but um, only as much as I have to. Uh, so I, I'm not very good at spreadsheets, but if you know spreadsheets well, you know that's a great way to collect your data and, and keep track of it. I, I know a lot of young farmers do that. Um, and then Elliot, you know, he just uses a notebook. Or, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got um, shelves and shelves of his notebooks, you know, from the last 45 years, you know, of note taking. But, you know, to me, the challenge of that is finding stuff. And, and I, you know, here I'm telling you how I have this strained relationship, but to me, this agsquared.com. Agsquared provides a complete farm management solution to help you plan your season, organize your day-to-day -day operations, and easily keep detailed records so you can make better farming decisions with each passing year. With Ag Squared, you can save time and money, making your farm more productive, more profitable, and more sustainable. Your season begins with the Crop Planner, where you can plan out which crops you'll be growing, where and when you'll be growing them, and how much of each crop you'll be planting and harvesting. Easy-to-use forms do all of the calculations, so you can focus on the important decisions. The integrated farm map, with its bed-by-bed -bed field layouts, helps you visualize your crop rotations so you can select the best location for each planting. Once your season gets started, Ag Squared's calendar turns your crop-by-crop -crop plan into a day-to-day -day management tool. Thanks to Ag Squared's flexibility, you can stay on top of your season's production plan and be responsive to whatever conditions you observe in the field. Record-keeping tools allow you and your staff to quickly enter any relevant details as each activity is completed without disrupting your workflow. And at the end of the day, or the end of the season, Ag Squared helps you make the most of your records so that you can understand what works on your farm and make better decisions with each passing year. There's so much more you can do with Ag Squared. Sign up now for a free trial to see how Ag Squared can help you better manage your farm. Okay, the cost, honestly, well, let me say, when, when I signed up, it was, it, it was $60 a year. But I think that it's gone up a little bit. I think maybe it's 90 Do you know? Yeah. So, so they have a number of pricing tiers, and, and they also have more um, features and data collection kind of thing. I've, I've never done more than the basic. So far, the way I've used it is in, you know, in January, I get all my spring stuff in there. I get it all planned out. And so, you know, it's great because I know this week I need to be planting this many trays of this and so on. I think it's very helpful. But then where, where it's fallen down is, or where I've fallen down is when we get to you know, April and May, and we're actually starting to harvest and market. And 
I don't, what you need is an iPad or something with you in the fields. You know, as you harvest, you just, and some of the things I like about this is you can have multiple people entering data. You know, if you've got your apprentices and everything, they're still, they still haven't come out with the app. They're supposed to be doing an app. Um, so anyone with a smartphone could enter harvest data right there. You know, I, I just harvested 30 bunches of carrots. And, and then it's all integrated. So, you know, you, you've got it all there. Whereas if you're doing it in notebooks, um, you know, who's got the notebook when you need it? And, you know, and then it starts raining. You're, in, you're out in the field and it gets soaked. And so I think this has potential. And we haven't really utilized it to its 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 maximum yet, but I'm I'm gonna keep trying to convince the family it's a good way to go. And maybe they'll get me an iPad for Christmas. <laughs> Keeping good records. Th these are some of the, the records you need to keep track of. Um your planting dates, your transplanting and harvesting dates, those are kind of critical. And, 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 of course, the reason why you're doing this is so that you can be tweaking it. Okay, well, it didn't mature on August 15. It actually was more like August 25. So I've got to back up my, my planting date for next year. And, um, and then, of course, you've got yields per bed or per thousand square feet or per acre, however you want to do it. Um, I would just encourage you, you know, this has all the yield data. Now, again, this is his yield data, but it's, it's not going to vary that much per 100, 100 foot bed. So if you standardize on something like that, this is a gold mine right here. Okay. Um, then, of course, you've got all your variety information, notes. You know, this variety is a loser. We're not doing that one again. This one is thumbs up. This is a... And again, you think you're going to remember all that. And where you plant stuff, you know, those tags, the plastic tags do last longer. I will say that for them. But, you know, I told you this morning, we like the wooden tags. By the end of the season you can't read them so if you didn't get it written down it's like okay what variety was this um oh well we'll try again next year you know that but that's not the way you want to do it um so again there's different ways you know a good notebook i'm not downing that you would think that i would be excited about that but it's just well, even JM, you know, this, I, I don't understand. He's a young farmer, but he's still using notebooks. But, but it means you've got to transfer information, you know, between places. And it just, it doesn't seem efficient to me. So, we'll see. Now, this is, this is an important thing to think about. Metrics for tracking profitability. I want to plug this book again. This is The Lean Farm. This is the new one I told you about this morning. Um, he's got some great information on this. 
um, dollar value per container. Let me see if I can find that really quick here. Okay, so he's, they've got to standardize, you know, they're trying to standardize everything, standard um, container that they harvest into. Onions. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's per square foot. Here's per container. 14-gallon tote they use. Um, watermelons, they can get $20. I can't read that. How many minutes? It's time. Wait. I. 4.15. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, my eyes are, are bad, so I have to, uh, they're, you know, I'm over 50 now, so. Okay, 10-minute warning. Watermelons, you get $20 per 14-gallon tote. On the other end of the spectrum, ginger, $360 in a 14-gallon tote. Um, Let's look at some things in the middle. Garlic, $325 worth of garlic in a 14-gallon tote. Down at the bottom, onions, $30. Head lettuce, only $38 worth of head lettuce in a 14-gallon tote. Um, peppers, $120. So these are metrics, you know, you can, okay, if, if I can only grow so much and, um, and I've got to figure out what's the most profitable things to grow, I don't want to grow watermelons, you know, I don't want to grow corn or broccoli, those are all things we've talked about here today. I want to focus on the, the most bang for my buck. Um, another common way to, a um, common metric for profitability is yield per square foot. In, in here, Ben Hartman in the Lean Farm says you don't want to grow stuff that's going to bring less than $2 a square foot per crop. And a simple example of that is head lettuce. You know, basically head lettuce, um, and I mean mature lettuce, not iceberg lettuce, but um, that that takes basically a square foot to grow a, a, a head lettuce. How much do you, how much can you sell a head lettuce for? Um, you know, if, if they're nice big heads, we can sell them for three dollars a head. So there we've just made three dollars a square foot. Um, if you're doing it on a larger scale, and, and let me say, Elliot, his, his metric was $5 per square foot per year. I think that's reasonable. Every square foot in your garden should be bringing you $5 a square foot per year. So if you have, you know, 3,000 square foot greenhouse, that's pretty easy. That should should bring you $15,000 a year in, in income. Yeah, Rick. Yeah, we're talking gross here, yes. Um, $20,000 acre 
per acre minimum. You know, most conventional farmers are earning a few hundred dollars per acre. And the only way they can do it is they're doing thousands of acres. But you've got to earn, and I say minimum, 20000 an acre. Um, corn, um, corn produces an average of 1,200 dozen per acre, 1,200 dozen. So how much can you sell corn for a dozen? $6 a dozen, $8 a dozen. Well, it's for $6 a dozen, that's easy math. So that's $7,200 an acre. It's small farmers grow, don't grow corn. We grow some for the CSA. Um, harvesting dollars per hour. This is kind of an interesting one. And this is from the field to the cooler. So that includes harvesting, washing, packing in bins, whatever. How much are you making on each crop? You know, how many bunches of radishes can you harvest and wash and get ready for market um, and it usually you you do like an hour you know you can get 250 a bunch I don't even know what we sell radishes for 250 or three dollars a bunch so if I can do 10 bunches that's easy to do right that's thirty dollars so again this is not meaning you're earning thirty dollars on it because you had all the work beforehand, but this is a, a metric. Um, you know, $30 would be, again, a minimum. I've talked to other farmers that say, man, if you can't make $50 an hour in your harvesting, don't grow it. So, but there are just ways you can kind of benchmark, you know, am I really growing crops that are, are profitable enough? Yeah, another question here. Okay, good questions. Um, and the weight, of course, varies tremendously as to what's in the box. You know, salad mix weighs very little, but it's pretty valuable, you know. So you can't just go by weight. Um, you know, this guy's doing more by volume, which is, I think, a little more realistic but as far as the value of our boxes, you know, that's kind of a different subject, but it's an important one. Um, we, we used to be very diligent about trying to make sure that we had this much dollar value per box. And we've kind of moved away from that a little bit because... Um, number one, most of our customers don't seem to care as long as it's got a good variety and a nice quantity. But this is the bottom line. This is a proven fact, and we've seen it for ourselves. You lose more CSA customers through too much produce than not enough. They get overwhelmed, and they feel guilty for throwing it away, and they don't know how to deal with all this stuff green smoothies that that was a gift from god because our customers just 
throw it all in a green smoothie. Hey, you know, it's great. Well, what is, I don't even know what it is. I just put it in a green smoothie. So, you know, that, that's a blessing. But the point is, you lose customers from too much stuff. So, just quickly, and we're running out of time here, but we're almost through. We, we do, you know, and we've had enough years of experience, we have a fairly good idea of what the average family, and there is no average family because you've got, you know, two, or we have some people that are single that get a box. But um, what we think they're going to appreciate and then, this is how we handle it. All our seconds, you know, we try to hold a high standard for our stuff. But, you know, if it has a little bird peck, you know, the tomato has a little bird peck, there's nothing wrong with the tomato. We wouldn't sell it, but we give it. And so we go to our CSA delivery with all these seconds, and we say, here, if you want more, help yourself. And that has worked really well for us. They, they think this is a bonus. So they're thinking, wow, this is fantastic. It's a way for us to get rid of some of our seconds because we, we can't deal with them all. Um, and yeah, and if they don't need it, they don't take it. So that helps us kind of, you know, the big eaters take a lot of seconds and those who don't. So that's worked well for us. I hope that kind of answered your question a little bit. I'm not even I'm not even gonna get into this. This I, I was just gonna go through some some um neat stuff that I'm learning from this book. This is I, I've I've perused through this once and now I'm going back to kind of really learn. You know, the the subtitle to this how to minimize waste, increase efficiency, and maximize value and profits with less work. Doesn't that sound like a book you want to read? Again, this is not how to grow a garden. This is about how to be more efficient at growing. So that's all in there. So I'm not even going to deal with it here. We just don't have time. Um... Yeah, so that's the last slide. I'll just say something. I, this is good. Four principles of establishing... How do I get... Anyway, oh well. Can you still read that? It, it'll start right there. Okay, thank you. Wow, I appreciate people who know what they're doing here. Um Put in your 10,000 hours. He quotes a book, and some of you may be familiar with it. It's not a gardening book. It's just kind of an efficiency kind of book about how you don't gain mastery of something without putting in your 10,000 hours. Well, I haven't calculated out, but he says that's about 10 years. Um, just... Understand, and I said earlier that I didn't feel like I really knew what I was doing. And I still, I would never say I'm an expert. I know better than to say that. The Lord humbles me when I say that. But um, it's going to take you time. But that doesn't mean, I mean, you got to start somewhere. 
The more you can learn from others, the better. Test in small batches. Again, we've talked about that. Add infrastructure capacity in small increments. Don't just go whole hog and buy 10 hoop houses because you, you don't have the experience and knowledge to manage those. You know, buy one, and when, we're, when you're using that efficiently to its maximum, then you buy the second one. And so those small increments is really good advice, really important. So again, the, that's all stuff that's in this book. I encourage you to get that. We've got a few copies of that. We don't like having books left over that we have to store in our barn till the next agriculture conference. So we didn't buy too many. But um, okay, our time's up. We can take a question or two. I guess the the video will stop maybe. But yes, okay. Do you do you? Um, track your time <laughs> the short answer is is not usually because that's a little discouraging <laughs> if you start trying to figure out how much you're making per hour you might just quit right there you know but and I say that lightheartedly but if once I mean JM is is making a very respectable live I mean in fact I I never never need to make that kind of money um so I'm not saying you can't actually make a comfortable income doing it but it's not going to happen overnight and so you know there's a lot of books there's another one we've got a few copies of that is actually good I just haven't read it in a while and so it, it's called the Organic Growers Business Handbook. I think it kind of, it was a little too deep for me. But for every crop, you know, he'd keep track of how many hours for planting and weeding. And, 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 and you know, so you get your actual cost. And so if you're into numbers and that, you get that book. And it'll, you know, it'll go into so much detail that you'll say, Wow. This this is looking like work, you know. It if it if it loses its fun, if if you know if you don't want to get up in the morning and go do it, then man, to me, you've lost a lot. You know, there are days when I'm saying, man, why do I do this? This is hard work. But all I have to do is say, okay, well, what else would I rather be doing? And I can't think of anything. And so I keep at it. That's the bottom line. I, I can't think of anything I'd rather be doing. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.